0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Hello Bengals fans, welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hope you had a nice early July weekend. As we head into the deadline week, James, for AJ Green to sign his franchise tender, we have an update there from Jeremy Fowler. Meanwhile, the Bengals update their season ticket holders on the rules and regulations for Paul Brown Stadium this year and give season ticket holders an opportunity to opt out. Then we'll talk about Trey Hopkins' comments recently on the Dan Horde Bengals Booth podcast, find out what he said about Joe Burrow and why that matters. And finally, we'll wrap up the show by looking at the roster bubble. Last week, we started looking at some training camp battles for some of the higher on the depth chart positions. Today, we get into the back of the roster and some of those battles that will really be for roster spots. Let's start off by covering A.J. Green in this season ticket holder news. James, let's get started with the obvious news from Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. Apparently has been in discussions with those that know the current status of the A.J. Green contract negotiations. And it sounds like, as we all expected, reaching a long-term deal is not expected, is unlikely at this point. In fact, he hasn't even signed his franchise tender yet. And the deadline for that long-term deal to be put into place just a couple days away on July 15th. I'd be shocked if they got a long-term deal done at
3: this stage, Jake, uh, for, for a few reasons. One, it was probably a long shot to begin with because A.J. Green, he's missed 29 out of 64 games over the past four seasons, missed all of last year. And while I think the league and the Bengals certainly view him as an elite wide receiver, what have you done for me lately? Right. We, we hear that cliche all the time. So what have you done for me lately league? And he hasn't done much. And, and so I think that the, the Bengals are leery about giving him a, a three year deal, let's say, which is probably what I would have offered him had they come to terms on a long term deal. And then here's the other thing, the uncertainty with COVID-19 and what the salary cap is going to be next year. Are there going to be games this year? How many games? How many fans will be allowed to attend? There's so much uncertainty surrounding the 2021 salary cap that if you're the Bengals why would you want to commit to a guy who has a bunch of question marks anyway and if you're committing 18 to 20 million dollars which is probably per year which is probably what AJ is asking for it's just a huge roll of the dice we know how the Bengals operate I think they're going to play it safe here and let AJ play out 2020 on the franchise tag
2: he will have a chance to earn himself some more money in his next deal and the Bengals will get a chance to see if he can stay healthy for a year Speaking of staying healthy, the Bengals have instituted some rules for attendees in Paul Brown Stadium this year. Those rules were sent out to season ticket holders late last week, and some of the guidelines for fans attending games include wearing a face covering at all times unless actively eating or drinking, a requirement to socially distance that will be enforced at all times, a prohibition on tailgating in Paul Brown Stadium parking lots, drastically reduce capacity for fans at Paul Brown Stadium to make social distancing possible and easier. And finally, as we learned a while ago, the first eight rows of the lower level will be blocked off to maintain some distance from fans to players on the field. We do also know, James, and where I question and hope that things hold up is that as soon as human beings start drinking alcohol, social distancing, and face coverings, Seem to stop. In fact, one fan I saw on Twitter joked that, oh, I can take my mask off when I'm eating or drinking. I won't even bring my mask. I'll just eat or drink for the whole game. So that enforcement of social distancing will be key. And it'll be interesting to see how much capacity is reduced to keep that possible or comfortable for fans that are in the stadium.
3: It will be. And, and you wonder how the NFL is going to address this. And I have a, a really. I think the way you, you solve it, at least to a degree, it is – you know this is especially at baseball games and they obviously have this in the NFL as well where you have servers that come to you and take your order. That might be the way to go here where let's say it's 14,000 fans. Let's use the Ravens as a blueprint and you're really – you're allowed to leave your seat but to use the bathroom pretty much. And other than that, you're in your you, – you can order from there. You can do the mobile ordering and the the fans are so spread out. There's ways around it because you you got to avoid the lines and you're right. You got to avoid the people that are going to try to push back on the mask and and the facial coverings, because here's the problem. If let's say I and I think a lot of us um, have someone around us that is more in danger, right, of covid-19 if they were to get it. And let's say you're you're leery of it, but you're 28 like me and you feel like you're going to go to. Uh, an NFL game and you go and these people ruin it for you. Well, then you might not go again. So the NFL has got to be leery here because the the in-home experience, the at-home experience is certainly going to rival the, the in-stadium experience or best the in-stadium experience this season. But they still need to try to get as many fans in the stands as they can.
2: I like your idea, though. You just shut down the concession stands and make you order or do digital ordering and have the food delivered to you. That can get rid of a lot of the congestion that you do see in NFL stadiums. If none of that works for you and you're a season ticket holder, you know this already, but you're allowed to opt out of your 2020 season tickets. But you keep your seats. You keep your tickets for the 2021 season. So you do have options. The Bengals are trying to find the way forward, just like all of us, in the 2020 NFL season. Coming up next, Trey Hopkins was on with Dan Horde on the Bengals Booth podcast and had some nice things to say about Joe Burrow, as does everybody, really, right? I mean, who has bad things to say about Joe Burrow right now? Literally the golden child, I think, in the NFL at the moment. We'll talk about those comments in just a minute. But if you do your own vehicle maintenance, maybe you do more than James. James replaces his air filters. James, good for you. Way to save that money. That's low-hanging fruit. Really, all car owners should do. And if that's where you want to start, then follow James's lead and go over to rockauto.com. Buy some air filters for your vehicle because they'll probably beat the price of your local big chain store wherever you go to get your parts. And they're going to have exactly what you need. It doesn't matter if it's Lamborghini, Land Rover,
3: Lincoln, Honda, Kia. It doesn't matter. Toyota, whatever you're driving, they got something for you at rockauto.com. So go there, save money, save time. Instead of having to drive to the store, you can do it right on your phone, right on your laptop from the comfort of your own home. So rockauto.com. It's what I use.
2: It's what Jake uses. It's what you should use. If you do go over to rockauto.com, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
1: This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
3: Right, Jake? I, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people uh, that have said glowing things. Obviously, on this podcast, we have all the coaches seem to be impressed with him from what we've heard during this virtual off season. And Trey Hopkins is the latest example of it. By the way, Colin Cowherd, I guess, the one guy who's low on Joe Burrow, I guess. Anyways, um, Trey Hopkins complimented the Bengals rookie signal caller. He said uh, on the Bengals Booth podcast, he said, quote, he's very impressive. He has a great grasp of the offense, and he's done it in just a very, very short time. There's a lot of excitement in the locker room just to see what he's got and how it translates to the NFL. I'm encouraged by what I've seen thus far in the Zoom meetings. And they're going to have a a close relationship, Jake, and I think that's the thing we don't talk about much. How many times have we spent time talking about how his rapport is going to be with A.J. Green or Tyler Boyd or Joe Mixon or John Ross? But the center, the center and the quarterback – they have to be close. So I think uh, I think it's noteworthy hear,
2: hearing from uh, Trey Hopkins. They do have to be on the same page. And Bengals fans honestly love to complain about the center position, and for good reason, right? You, you, there, there's a bit of a spotty history there, especially since Kyle Cook. And before that, fans love to talk about how Rich Bram was this. Uh, I mean, he was a good player. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, nobody's talking about Rich Bram for the Hall of Fame, but Bengals fans – the way they revere him, might think that Rich Graham belongs in the Hall of Fame. Very good player, again. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the the bar is low. Is, is is kind of my point here. And this isn't a slight on Rich Graham. This is because the Bengals ran Russell Bodine out there for four years, five years, however long it was, uncontested. Then they drafted Eric Billy Guy Price. Is great. Yeah. They they had guy check. They drafted Jonathan Leagues who I think won the, uh, the center of the year award in college football out of Arkansas. He never translated in the NFL. Then they missed on their guy in uh, an, another Arkansas player in Frank Ragnow and the Bengals end up with Billy Price instead. And then finally Trey Hopkins, who we've been waiting for as he dealt with injuries early in his career emerges as a star- solid starting center for the Bengals. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. And Trey Hopkins kind of talked about that on the podcast. He talked about the importance of communication between center and quarterback, the different styles of quarterback cadence that Trey Hopkins is going to have to learn and get used to, and the way that they see the field, making sure that they're on the same page or as close to on the same page as possible. I think generally the way it's going to work, Trey Hopkins sets a protection. Joe Burrow, if he sees something different might change the protection or vice versa. That that seems to be the way it goes. And we talked to Trey Hopkins actually on this podcast last year when the Bengals were early in the season before it became clear that they were going to be riding the struggle bus. As they say all year, they had a pretty tough time and players became less and less available as the year went on. But Trey did talk about how he sets those protections. So when I read these quotes and when I listen to the podcast, it makes a lot of sense that he's talking about the communication issues that he's talking about.
3: Absolutely. And I, I will say, and you're right. I know you guys talked to Trey Hopkins. I talked to Trey Hopkins a couple of times. He's, he's such an intelligent guy. And so when he's talking about these communication issues and problems and the concerns about that, because Dan presses him a little bit, and it's a good job by Dan just asking him, uh, about this stuff because it is a virtual off season and they haven't met each other in person. And Hopkins just shoots it down. And I I'm not I don't think this is me being a homer here, but I I agree with him Because Trey Hopkins is a guy that got cut like six times. He he adapts and he molds and he does whatever the team needs him to do. So if that's get on the same with same page as Joe Burrow within a month before the start of the season, right? Or get on the same page with him during training camp and that's it, no preseason games. I think he can do that. And what do we know about Joe? The same thing. Extremely intelligent. He's able to adapt. He's able to make things work. I think these two guys, just knowing their personalities, there might be a couple times in training camp where there's a snag or something like that. Maybe there's one bad snap or a a miscommunication here or there early in the season. But odds are they're going to figure it out. I think
2: they'll be fine. I mean, but that happens to everybody at some point, right? Like there's always mishandled exchanges from quarterback to center. It happens to veterans. It happens to rookies. If it happens with Trey Hopkins and Joe Burrow, it's probably not worth reading into unless it happens on a recurring basis. And even Trey Hopkins said this, the physical part shouldn't be too difficult. It shouldn't take long at all. And all we've heard about all offseason from coaches, from players, is they're all there mentally. And now it's just getting the physical reps in, getting that actual lived experience in installing some of these plays and running through the plays and walking through the plays. And that's really all we have left. And and we can only speculate about that, but regardless of what we know, the players that have been in these meetings that have seen Joe Burrow firsthand have on a repeated basis said he's been impressive with his preparation. He's an extremely hard worker. He's ahead of the game mentally. That is a theme that is consistent. If you talk to Brian Callahan, if you talk to, Uh, in, in this interview with Trey Hopkins and when you hear that on a consistent basis you have to like the way he's preparing and I and then I believe fully when Trey Hopkins says the physical part shouldn't be that difficult because if he were to struggle
3: at all mentally and be questioning himself at all then the physical part becomes an issue because he can't play the way he did at LSU because he's worried about what's going on in front of him or what, what protection, or what alignment, and he's, he's focused on all that stuff. So I, I totally agree. They go hand in hand, and when you see a young player struggle physically, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with their abilities at all. It has to do with the mental aspect of things and adjusting to that. So the fact that the Bengals say Burrow's ahead of schedule from where they had him, the fact that by all accounts everyone's been impressed with him, it's a good sign because this is an unprecedented offseason, and – Full disclosure, Jake and I are talking on Skype right now. Can you imagine having to learn an entire virtual – a playbook virtually, Jake? That sounds awful. I hated online classes as it was in college. They were easy, but I didn't really learn anything. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine having to really learn a
2: playbook while doing it virtually every day. No, I mean we have enough problems just communicating for a podcast over Skype. (laughs) Uh, I'm just like trying to imagine like – being Joe Burrow and, and James can see me on video right now and standing up and like, you know, you're getting ready to take a snap and you're barking your, 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 your cadence in your mic. It feels ridiculous. Just doing that in that moment, I, I felt like a clown. So, you know, doing that for an entire, you know, couple hour meeting and, and taking it seriously and learning something while you do it is, is very challenging. And you make a really good point, James, about the mental aspect and, and confidence, right? Because we've seen this with John Ross. He's been very open, about his mental struggles. Joe Burrow coming in from a completely different place as a number one pick. Two first-round picks. Joe Burrow supremely confident. Nobody's talking about his inability to grasp things mentally. And so, you know, I mean, we, we won't know until they get on the field, but I think that we'll see a good product, and, and we'll see him hit the ground running, especially. We've talked about this before, too. For him, him and Logan Wilson, actually, these, these guys that have additional college experience. You expect him to hit the ground running a little bit more. At least I do.
3: And I think it's fair to, and and you need to. And really, this may sound crazy, but I don't expect Burrow to struggle so much. Like, I think back to to Andy Dalton's rookie year, and he had a preseason game. I think it was against the Jets, and it was just awful. Schefter tweeted about it, and, heck, I think I talked about it on one of the solo podcasts I did uh, a couple of weeks ago. But, like, that... It, it, that type of stuff. I don't know if Burrow's going to have those type of just awful games, or it doesn't even feel like he belongs there. I think it'll always feel like he belongs. It doesn't mean he's going to be perfect, but there's never going to be a point where it's like, oh man, did did they get the right guy? Now it might be, well, can someone block that defensive end because the left, or, you know, the right tackle or the left tackle is struggling? You know, the offensive line is struggling. That could happen, but I, I really I don't foresee. A bunch of struggles where he's mentally confused. He might make a bad throw. He might make the wrong decision every once in a while. He might have to deal with pressure. There might be a bunch of stuff like that. But I I don't think this is going to be a an issue of him just not the game being bigger than him. I just I I don't see that with Burrow. Maybe I'm wrong. It just it doesn't seem like he's gonna be overwhelmed much, even though he's dealt with an unprecedented offseason. There's a lot of pressure on him, and he's coming into a, a roster in a team that went two and fourteen last year.
2: We've said it a lot. And and we've been consistent in it because what we've heard coming out of the Bengals camp has been consistent about Joe Burrow as well. That's enough about Joe Burrow for today, James. I think we've hit our quota. I mean, we're gonna talk about him forevermore because he's very exciting but there are some other players on this roster to talk about yes Joe Burrow (laughs) is one of the the 80 plus but last week we talked a little bit about those top of the roster training camp battles that we're expecting to see today we're going to target some bubble players and one of them that we're going to get started with James in just a minute is Stanley Morgan who Listeners to this podcast know that I thought was an absolute stud on special teams last year, and I think that he will have to take up that mantle this year if he wants to get onto this football team. We'll
0: talk about Morgan and some others in just a minute. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, and I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at My Bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies.
2: Last week on this podcast, we talked about the top of the roster training camp battles along the offensive line and at linebacker. But there's also some really interesting roster battles for those bubble positions. And James, I want to get started with the wide receiver room, where the first, I'd say, five guys are locked in A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, John Ross, not necessarily in that order, but those five guys locked into the team. Then there's this battle for the sixth and seventh spot if they keep seven, which I think they did last year. Alex Erickson, Stanley Morgan, DeMarcus Lodge, Damian Willis, Mike Thomas, who they signed from LA, and even Trenton Irwin, Scotty Washington, a couple other college free agents from last year and this year. A lot of guys battling for that last spot. And Erickson and Morgan, to me, have the leg up right now if nobody gets hurt and they don't decide to carry eight receivers for some reason because of their special teams contributions. But I will say this, with Brandon Wilson on the team and with Darius Phillips on the team and the returning prowess that they displayed, I start to wonder, does Erickson still have a spot? And if he does, is it because he's been reliable as kind of that sixth receiver? Or is there enough around him that he doesn't make it? I actually feel better about Stanley Morgan making the team right now than Alex Erickson from a, not necessarily from the Bengals perspective, but from a what I would do perspective because Morgan is so good. He's that good as a special teamer. And I said it all the time last year. He's in the right spot at the right time, especially in punt coverage. He is an exceptional player or was last year, at least in punt coverage.
3: It's going to be a battle. And I, I certainly think Alex Erickson's going to have to fight for his spot. I don't think he's – I don't think there are six locks. There are five locks in the wide receiver room. And and that's just – that that's reality here. And even Stanley Morgan, as good as he was last year, he's going to have to go out there and earn it because they brought Mike Thomas in who has a rapport with Zach Taylor from their days in L.A. Obviously has had to cut his teeth in the NFL on special teams. So really – those are the favorites I would say right it, it almost seems like there are eight guys for seven spots assuming like you said it, you know if they keep seven and, and and can Mike Thomas somehow beat out Stanley Morgan or, or Alex Erickson or to your point is Alex Erickson a guy that yeah he's mostly a slot wide receiver and he's a you know certainly a competent returner and, and he's excelled and exceeded all expectations. Since, uh, you know, he was uh, signed as an undrafted free agent back in 2016. But is there any chance that the Bengals look at it and say, well, AJ Green's going to be playing in the slot more this year. Tyler Boyd's our primary slot wide receiver. We got a guy in John Ross who obviously can play in the slot. Do we need to keep Erickson around if we already have some returners on the roster? I think there is that scenario. But Michael Thomas, or Mike Thomas, rather, we should refer to him as that, so no one's mistaking him for the Saints wide receiver. Mike Thomas and Stanley Morgan Jr., they're going to have to both perform well on special teams because whoever gets these sixth and seventh spots, they're not going to be on the offense much, at least assuming the, the wide receivers are healthy. So you want them to excel on special teams, and we know what Erickson brings. We know what Stanley Morgan brings, and Mike Thomas will try to get in that mix as well.
2: Mike Thomas, of course, who comes from the Los Angeles Rams has been with the Rams for four seasons and knows Zach Taylor from his time in LA has been primarily a special teamer for the Rams. And he's one of those guys where if you, if you go by PFF grades, you think, oh, he's nothing special. He's grading in the fifties most years as a special teamer, whereas Stanley Morgan last year, I believe I read was above 90 as a special teamer. I think I read that on all com, James and (laughs) The thing that there's a disconnect with is Mike Thomas got tons of special team snaps for the Rams. So even if he's not grading well for PFF, the Rams clearly liked his work on special teams, giving him starter snaps, special team starter snaps. He's, he's out there for essentially every special team snap. If that's the case, that's a lot of experience to bring to the position to fight with a guy who was an undrafted free agent last year. Now, Stanley Morgan did have a draftable grade by most draft analysts outside of the NFL, Obviously, if those inside the NFL had a draftable grade on him, he would have been drafted. But instead, he had to prove himself as a standout special teamer last year.
3: Would you feel, Jake, would you feel good if it was Stanley Morgan as the sixth wide receiver and Michael Thomas as the seventh? Like if they moved on from Erickson? And I'm not saying they're going to, or that's what I'm hearing, or anything like that, but if they did that, how big of a loss would that be? Or would you feel good about the the receiving chops, I guess? Of Morgan and Thomas, because let's face facts here: some of these guys are probably going to get hurt. It's happened over the past couple of years, which could force the the back end of the wide receiver room into action on offense.
2: Yeah, I mean you have to get down to the sixth guy, so you lose a couple of the guys in the front, or or you know you have an extended drive or something. You have to start cycling guys in after John Ross runs three three goes in a row or something like that. Th- that's where the you want to in. Well, then, then you don't need a sub because it's a touchdown. But uh, Erickson <laughs> is a very useful six receiver. He's one of the best six receivers in the league. And it's just, is that enough? It, you know, it, are, are you keeping a guy for depth on offense and for return man depth? Because he's a reliable returner as well, for the most part, even if sometimes I don't love his decision making uh, as far as letting punts bounce in front of him sometimes. But he, he's reliable. He's reliable as a return man and he's reliable mm-hmm. as a six wide receiver. So that is a lot of value. And I think they, they extended him, right? Is he, no, he's on his first contract still. He was a college free agent in 2016.
3: No, they signed him to an extension.
2: Oh, did they? Okay. So they, they clearly value him. If that's the case, I thought they did. I, I must've been forgetting it, but I, I, yeah. So maybe Erickson and Morgan are the guys and Morgan has to fend off competition from everybody else at that point, because they really liked Damian Willis last year, and then they brought in uh, Thomas and Demarcus Lodge and Scotty Washington this off season. And they kept Trenton Irwin around from last off season on the practice squad, so that's a lot of guys. He is in the final year of his deal, though, so
3: he signed a two year extension. That's why. So that's why you're. So he signed it back uh, in 2018. I think it was my first stint covering the Bengals when he signed it. I I, I remember writing it or talking about it. So. Um, yeah, it, uh, it, that leaves the door open there. Here's the other thing that's worth mentioning when we're talking about any of these roster bubble camp battles, anything like that. The practice squad is going to be bigger this year. It just is. So, it, it, Because if I'm Damian Willis or Trent Irwin or Scotty Washington, Demarcus Lodge, I'm looking at this like, I have no chance in hell of making this team. Like, And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just there are a lot of guys in front of them. And and you know Mike Thomas is going to have to battle for a spot, and he's certainly more established than those other, other guys. But you can earn a spot on the practice squad, and, and with COVID nineteen, that's not a really a bad place to be because there are going to be players that get it and they can't play for a game or two, and then you get promoted to the active roster. That's going to happen. So uh, I think um, I think that's noteworthy and, and worth discussing as well because uh, there are going to be guys that may not make the team initially, but play significant roles whether it's on special teams or otherwise uh on game day this season because of COVID-19 and, and the the effects of it uh if players contract it.
2: Yeah. That's a really good point. And maybe they do keep some extra players around as as much as they can being that that's the case. And and there have been some rules, right, that are expanding the ability for teams to keep players and expanding the roster for that reason, because, you know, players are going to get sick this year. And and if they get sick, it's not like the flu where you have Michael Jordan or, or, you know, the Bulls, Michael Jordan playing, playing with the flu or or food poisoning or whatever. You can't, you can't play in a game if you have COVID. And, and at some point this year, James, I wonder if this is going to happen. Some, some superstar that's really important to his team gets COVID, not that bad, but knows he's positive positive. Wonder wonder if it's going to be even remotely possible to hide it and sneak a player into a game. You know, you have players playing with concussions all the time. Imagine that. <laughs> like, that That would be explosive stuff if it ever came out. That's, that's high speculation for me, but, man.
3: I, I don't think that would happen if the league knew about it, right? And you would assume if the player found out he had it from a test, then the league would instantly know. Yeah. And, and I just – I think that this – because it would be such bad pub, right – Tom Brady gets COVID. You know, it's one thing, but if he plays with it, it's a whole nother, yeah. completely another conversation. So I think the NFLPA, I think it would be a uh, wild. So hopefully that that does not happen because that would yeah. be crazy.
2: I mean, that's just speculation for me anyway. I mean, it probably won't happen, right? The testing is going to be so closely controlled. But like I said, players play with concussions. They, you know, and then and you then never after know. the game, yeah. What if it? What if it's the AFC title game? If it's the A,
3: like,
2: Yeah. You know, That's what I'm saying. Blaine
3: Gabbert gonna, or
2: the, the NFC title, Blaine, Blaine Gabbert, Gabbert
3: going to run out there for Tampa Bay? That's oh. what you're doing?
2: Well, you know what? I, I think by then, talking, we're talking about January at that point, we'll have a vaccine. Let's, let's you know, go silver lining hope or you're something. Right. Yeah, me too. We're not going to have time, James, today to talk about the defensive side of the ball or some of the other positions because I think running back – is one where the back of that running back room is going to be hotly contested. Cornerback yeah. is going to be one where they signed a lot of guys this off season: LaShawn Sims, Winston Rose, Tony Brown. They bring back Tory McTire. There's a lot of guys that are going to be fighting for a roster spot at those positions in particular. You could even talk about the back of the linebacker room, looking for depth there outside of the first five guys. Austin Calitro, Marcus Bailey, Marcel Spears, Brady Sheldon. We talked about some of these guys last week when we talked about the linebackers. And even even on the defensive line, there's going to be some guys that, you know, Rennell Wren, he's going to have to play his way onto the roster this year, last year's fourth round pick. So we still have some discussion about these roster bubble players. And we'll get into that in some future episodes because James, training camp is almost here. Joe Burrow is a week away from going to get his COVID test and getting ready to lock in at Paul Brown Stadium. We're back to five days a week this week, so that's going to do it for this episode, but we are going to be back tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and five times. You guys, I can't count to five, but I know you can. And until then, Bengals fans, who day
0: and have a good one.